welcome to the Glow Journal Podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by the founder of RMS Beauty, Rosemary Swift. Rosemary Swift is a brand founder I once dreamt of meeting, and after spending time with her during her most recent trip to Australia, I can say in all sincerity that she is one of the most interesting women I have ever met. Rosemary quite literally fell into beauty. Once the front woman of a punk band, her start in beauty came as she did the makeup for strippers at a club in Vancouver. Her skills got better and better. She began getting booked for bigger and better jobs and, almost without realising it, the 90s saw Rosemary become one of the most in-demand makeup artists on the planet. Rosemary's signature was natural beauty in every sense. Stripped back, glowing skin that still looked like skin using clean, natural products. Rosemary pioneered the natural beauty movement and is widely credited with delivering that movement to the mainstream upon launching RMS Beauty in 2008. Her cult living luminizer has become one of the most popular highlighters on the planet, with her brand filling a gap for a natural beauty brand that didn't feel typically natural. A brand that could not just sit beside luxury products, but in many cases outperform them. I loved my time with Rosemary and we spent a good hour together after we finished recording and what I found most refreshing about her is that she's a realist. She's a questioner and she's absolutely no bullshit. I caught up with Rosemary at Mecca headquarters to discuss the health scare that led her to natural beauty, her fears surrounding Instagram and the next generation of makeup artists and the parallels between the beauty industry and the cocaine industry. So obviously we know you as a makeup artist and as Mm -hmm. the founder of RMS. I understand before you got into makeup, you were the front woman of a punk band, which I do want to get to. (laughs) I do want to get to that, but let's rewind a little bit further. What is your very first memory of beauty? Um, That is easy. Um, My mum in her bedroom had obviously a little vanity there sitting and uh, she had a beautiful like a, a little like it's a powder box mm-hmm. but the thing that caught my eye about it was the marabou feathers that were coming out because in those days they, they didn't have like cotton powder puffs right they used feathers mm-hmm. so it was like a puff and it was quite big mm-hmm. and it had a little it had a little ribbon on it you know with the, the name of the the product yeah or the brand and it would pu- go into the powder and i just like puff it on my face i thought it sounds beautiful. And then, it, and then she had her red lipstick sitting there in that beautiful metal. It was ah. gold metal, metal tube. I can't remember what brand it was. I was a little kid. But I thought, wow, that's so cool. And, of course, I put it on my face, and the lipstick was everywhere where it shouldn't have been. But you would have thought you looked amazing. Oh, yeah, I thought I was like, you know, Miss Meow. <laughs> <laughs> I have a similar experience. Because I think, I mean, that's the thing about experiencing beauty when you're a child. It's about the experience of it. Yeah. What did you think that you would be when you grew up? Oh, God, I don't know. I didn't know. I never really thought about that. Mm-hmm. I think that's pressure put on kids nowadays. Definitely, I would agree yeah, with that. that. We didn't think of things like that. Like, I think of the, the kids nowadays all saying, oh, God, I don't know, you know, I'm, I have to do this, I have to do that. And I thought, God, when I was your age, I was, like, riding my bike and mm-hmm. going in the bushes, you know, and going wild and stuff. I wasn't thinking about what I was going to do in my career. 
Mm. I had no idea. Let's, with that in I mind... I still don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that in mind, let's talk about your, um, your punk phase. Well, I was... If we can call it a phase, how old were you when you started performing? Oh, my God, I was probably... Uh, 20, 21. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to remember, too, I was from the punk era. I was in all those eras because I was mm-hmm. born in 1955. Mm, but you don't look it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're I'll welcome. Pay, I'll pay you later for Flattery that. Flattery will get you everywhere, I've learned. But, but I, I, you know, I was in the 60s, so, you know, the eyeliner phase came in, you know, mm. 70s, 80s, the punk then the 90s came in, the disco and all that stuff. So I kind of lived through all of that. So mm-hmm. the punk thing wasn't something that it was nostalgic. It was like something new and happening. So if you're going to be in a band, you're going to be in a punk band. Yeah. What other band would there be to be in? You know, I yeah. guess there could have been a rock band, but the punk thing was more my style. You know, I like to be a little rebellious. Mm-hmm. I always had a little bit of that streak on my side all the time. So You still do, I think. Yeah. I imagine there's a bit of a crossover between... Your time as a punk band front woman and your early experiences with beauty. If my research serves me, I believe you have your sister and a few Vancouver strip clubs to thank for your start in beauty. Exactly, yeah. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, she she was an esthetician and she knew a guy that owned a whole bunch of hotels back in those days. Mm -hmm. And um, he wanted his girls to, uh, you know, just to to polish up their, their look better. Sure. And, um, you know, I had done a little bit of modeling. I didn't do so well because it was in the era of, you know, Margot Hemingway and all the girls Mm -hmm. with the big bushy eyebrows, the blondes. And, you know, I'm totally the opposite. If I would have been around the 40s, I would have been a better suit for that era. But anyway, so so, um, they asked if I wanted to do the makeup for the girls. So I said, sure. So I went around Mm -hmm. and pretended I was a makeup artist. Pretended to? (laughs) I pretended I was a makeup artist. I'm kind of a, a, a good pretender. You've said that in you've said in past interviews that at that point it was you know it was just kind of there for fun and you never really wanted to be a makeup artist. Yep. At what point did you start to think about doing it full time? What was the catalyst? Well, if I tell you when I really thought about doing it full time and being really serious about it, it was not till I was in my fifties. Really? <laughs> yes, I just took it. I started doing it. And I realized, hey, this is money. Hey, I can party. Hey, I can still do my singing lessons and travel. Yeah. And that's I took it at purely at that. But the problem was, I kept getting better and better jobs. Mm-hmm. Like I kept getting, you know, pushed into the direction of like these huge jobs with these huge people. And then when I got to New York. All of a sudden, I'm getting jobs with, you know, the biggest people in the industry. I'm like, holy shit, man. Like, oh, my God, I better get it together. Because, no, seriously, mm. I'm, I'm not joking. This is, like, for real. I never took it serious. I had fun. I was being creative. Mm-hmm. And that's probably one of the reasons I did do well, because I, I had no stress where I didn't, like, yeah. oh, my God, i got to be a makeup artist. Was and there one job in particular that stands out that you'd consider something of a big break oh yeah of course when I, I did a, a huge beauty story with Mario Sorrenti um it was wow. probably would have been the early 90s and with all of the, the supermodels you know Shalom was there Laura yeah. Stone you name it and um and it's funny because I did that kind of makeup that RMS Beauty was mm-hmm. representative of and I hadn't started the brand yet at that time I think I'd you know worked on a, you know some luminizers and some highlighters for the eyes like some of my eye polishes so I did have a bit of that going but I kept that really minimal and just with the highlights and the contour not the contour the contour is the wrong word it's more like just that it's taken pizzazz. on a new meaning now hasn't yeah it? yeah 
but yeah. But like when it came out, everybody went, oh my God, because everybody's expecting, you know, makeup. It was a beauty yeah. story. And I went exactly the opposite. So it, I got some very big opportunities from that. I think that's a bit sexier, though, just to yeah, focus on the skin. Well, well, in the shoot, too, most of the girls were, well, not most, they were all naked. Oh, there you go. It would yeah. look crazy to have a full... Yeah. They had big, beautiful hair because Luigi Marino was doing the hair. Right, so the hair was phenomenal, mm-hmm. like over the top. So if I would have done over the top makeup, it would just look stupid. So I just did what I did the best, and that's what I do the best. Yes, I would agree with that. It's still so, what you're known for. Yeah. Naturally, everyone's story and, I guess, career trajectory is going to be a little different to yours, but what advice would you give to anyone who is looking to become a makeup artist? Oh, my God. I, I, there's a lot of advice I'd give to them just from what I'm experiencing from a lot of them nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be really hard to make it in the industry. Yeah. It's, it's very competitive right now. You know, it's, you know, the whole makeup and hair thing has really been put into the forefront in more ways than one, thanks to Instagram and all that. And even Kim Kardashian bringing, you know, bringing so much life just to one application yeah. of makeup that has changed everything. Mm-hmm. So you got to give her credit for that. But um, it's kind of interesting. If if so, It d- depends how they want to make it. What is making it to them? Do they want to be Pat McGrath? Good luck. That'll never happen. Yeah. Like kiss that idea away. Mm-hmm. Because for one thing, if, you, if, if, if for some reason you have the luck to somehow become a Pat McGrath, you have to know everything about makeup. And what I'm seeing right now with the young people is they all think they know makeup because they've done one application. And well, they they've watched a video. And they've watched a video and, you know, they work at Sephora and mm-hmm. they all think they're fabulous. That has nothing to do with doing makeup. Yeah. You not only do you have to know exactly how to do makeup, but you have to also know how to entertain the models. You have to know mm. to be intuitive on set to know exactly what to do. You know how to pop. You have to know how to pop on an old historic look, and make it look modern. Mm-hmm. So you know, watching an Instagram how-to from someone that actually technically isn't really doing it correct. Some of them do, but most of them don't. Uh, it's not makeup. Mm-hmm. So what they could do easier is just. Be, be the makeup artist for someone successful, but that's not really going to get you anywhere. But here's my, here is the best advice I could give anybody. If you want to become a big makeup artist in the industry, you have to go to New York mm-hmm. or London, and you have to get on the team of somebody big like Pat, Lucia Peroni, uh, you know, any of the big guys. Yeah. That's the only way. Because let me tell you something. These guys will never look at your portfolio, these big photographers, ever. It ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter who you are. They won't look at your book. And if they don't have a makeup artist, for some reason they don't have their pad or, you know, Diane Kendall or whoever the big person is that they use, they're going to use the assistant Mm -hmm. to those two people because those are the ones that know everything, what's being done on the set. They're used to the photographer. They're used to the lighting. They're not going to have a look at your book and then call you in. Ain't going to happen ever. God, I love a realist. Oh, I'm a realist. I love it. But I get into a lot of trouble because of this too. You know. No, but that's good. Yeah. I mean, your whole, and we will get to beauty truth, but that's kind of, that's your whole shtick, isn't it? That's yeah, yeah. No, I'm... I'm the I'm, word disruptive is so overused now, but that's that's essentially what it is. Yeah. Love well, it. there's no point in giving hope to these kids. Like, there's mm. 10 million of them right now trying to do makeup. You know, and yes, some of them do a beautiful makeup application. Another trick to get it, to get in, you have to master beautiful skin. Mm. 
If you don't have that mastered, forget it. Yeah. That is the first thing that will kick you off a set in New York City when you're working with those big guys. If you got some caked on makeup everywhere, yeah. all over your skin, and you haven't mastered just glowing, beautiful skin, ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Is there any advice that you picked up during the kind of early stages of your career that you're finding that you still apply today? Um, you know, no, not really, but I, I do have one thing else I want to add into this. Sure. Is, is listen and, and listen to makeup artists. You know, mm -hmm. learn whatever you can. Because I notice that sometimes people, because I'm old, well, older, but the young people tend to not want to listen to what I have to say. And really? Yes, yes. Mostly in America, maybe not in Australia, because here I've noticed that I did a, a training yesterday, and it was it was fabulous. Everybody was so excited mm. and so interested in learning. In a, the States, there's this wall with some of these young people. They think they know it all, and I always just shake my finger at them. I said, young lady, let me tell you something. I said, I always had my mind open when I would do an old celebrity, and they're talking about some makeup artist that had died 10 million years ago, but I've t walked away with so much information that is invaluable to me to this day. Mm. And, you know, you don't, I don't have to do it the way they did it, but this is information that I'm not going to throw my nose up. And I said, if you want to make it in the business, you got to learn everything you can from everybody, whether you agree with them or not. It's something you can learn, twist it into your own little little way of, of, of doing it on your on their face or mm. you know whoever you have in front of you. And uh, always be willing to learn. When Once you close off and you think you know it all, you're already a goner. Why do you think they're so reluctant to, to listen? I think it's ego. Okay. I think it's ego. Mm -hmm. That's probably there. You know, case for a lot of people's shortcomings. Yeah. I, I understand that after spending a great deal of time working as a makeup artist, you fell ill and that's what made you, you know, start researching and looking into what was in your products you were using. Can you talk me through that period? Yeah, that, that, that was a time in my life when um, it was like I was sensitive to everything. You mm -hmm. know, obviously my immune system was really, you know, faltering in some pretty bizarre way but it got to the point where like I was on set and if I was taking a wipe and you know to take my the makeup off the hands from having done full body makeup or cleaning the body off with a wipe I'd have a rash all over my arms oh, and my you hands don't want that. you know lipsticks were burning my lips oh. and um so I ended up doing a you know you guys probably all know so I did a hair really advanced hair blood and skin and the urine analysis yes and this is not what the normal industry does like what a normal blood test you would go for this is major advance it cost me like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars I wanted to go right down into the nitty-gritty to see what was going on I get that because so many people now obviously I'm not a doctor but so many people are like I'll just google my symptoms yeah and that's what I've got done yeah, yeah. you want to find out yep that's fun doing that sometimes too <laughs> I've done that. I've been guilty of that. Oh, that's what I got. Oh, wow, that's cool, man. After you spent <laughs> the tens of thousands of dollars on that. No, but then I knew I knew what was in it, mm. or I didn't know what was in my body. But you know, when the lab yeah. handed it to me, because this was done in Canada years ago, and they they said you work in the cosmetic industry, and I right. go, oh my god, how do you know that? And they said because we see a lot of these chemicals in hair and makeup people, mm -hmm. and a lot of these chemicals are from you know cosmetics. Now, also, I'm not saying that. It's, you know, that I got sick from the cosmetic industry. But once I started studying, I realized that cosmetics are definitely a contributor mm. because these ingredients are in cosmetics too. Yeah, of course. You were know, there so any specific ingredients that you were warned of or that your research led you to kind of steer clear of? 
Well, you know what? That's that's a loaded question. Yes, it is. You know, <laughs> it's like that is so loaded. You know, you know, you got one school of thought saying parabens are really bad for you. The next school of thought saying no, it's not. Yeah. Where's the profit all coming from here? You know, mm-hmm. what's the agenda that everybody's got going here to to you know to say no and another one saying yes? Mm. The whole world seems to be this yin and yang situation going on right yeah. now, where like nothing is true anymore. Everything's fake news. So you know, yeah, there was quite a few in there. You know, mm-hmm. but my concern overriding most of the the the, uh, the um, cosmetic ingredients were the heavy metals right that is what concerned me the most mm-hmm. um, but you know I find it very surprising that you know we can have all this stuff in our bodies and we don't think twice about it because we don't feel it it's like an invisible thing doing its damage but yet mm. we'll scream if somebody's like you know hurt our fingernail at a nail salon or something like oh my god you Hypercut, know what I mean yeah you know I'm just saying you know I'm just like gone to a little extreme comparison there but you know what I mean mm. if it burned us or if it stung we'd be complaining but yeah. it's you know all this stuff is being done on an invisible level and it's not just cosmetics it's everything the air we yeah. breathe the water we're drinking the food that what's sprayed on the food it gets it's it's it's, it's, it's a bigger picture well, you became, did you become a raw foodist yeah. after that? Yeah. Right. Oh, I got in this really weird thing about I had to purge. Everything had to be purged out of my body. I had to start new again, have my little virgin body. Yeah. So I, I did everything imaginable there was to, to clean my body out. How long did that process take before you started Years. I'm feeling? still doing it. Oh, still. <laughs> right now I'm on the <laughs> celery thing, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I've, I've done like major cleanses from, you know, drinking clay to, to uh What does colonics. that do? Well, you have to be careful. Don't just go out and drink clay, believe me, because you can get blockages in your intestinal tract. It has to be done properly. Right. That, that's a long story. But what clay does, they say, you know, again, there's people that believe in this and people that don't. But, you know, I, I do heavy documentation on everything I do. So I have pictures. I have, you know, I mm. also get hair, hair urine, and blood analysis after. I've had, I have so many. I literally have a stack. Yeah. So I can see what's going on with, with, with my system. It doesn't surprise me because you just seem like a, a questioner you'd oh want, yeah you'd want to I don't I don't believe anything I don't trust it unless I, yeah. I study it and I send it to another lab to get tested and I did this with my brand too same thing I'm a maniac I love it mad scientist maniac <laughs> <laughs> at that time so you've purged you've you know you've started looking at what you're using at that time natural beauty wasn't the category that it is now so yeah. how did you go about sourcing things that weren't just you know as accessible as they are now um well after I did the website um beautytruth.com yeah I started, um, you know, the, the press was writing me up, and I and everybody says, "What should we use?" And I'm like, "Oh my god!" I no so idea. I started. We just, we're, we're, you know, this is where I'm going, leading into what you're saying. Mm. Is I thought, "Oh my god, this stuff isn't like, this isn't raw. This isn't like I'm mm. not thinking of the raw food industry, and you know, not cooking thing and destroying all the, the uh, vitamins and minerals and enzymes and healing properties of, mm-hmm. of, of, of a plant." And so I started um, looking at what was out there, and I would see. You know, products that had like organic, that they said they were organic if there's one organic ingredient in it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, something's got to be done. So I just took it upon myself to do something that was more clean. Let's talk a bit about the website, Beauty Truth. Yeah. What was the public's response? Because that's a big risk to be working yes. in the beauty industry yes. and then to create this website yes. where you were basically debunking yes. all of these myths. Yes. How did people respond? Well, I did that in 2004, so it was way ahead of its time. Yeah. And um, surprisingly enough, people um, responded quite well to it. Mm-hmm. That's what started me doing my brand. Yeah. Uh, the industry, however, all my friends said, if you if you post that on, in, on, on you know, the internet, you're never going to work again. 
Ah. And I did lose jobs, actually, because I remember that mm-hmm. I had some really good pictures of the models on there, too. And in my agent at one point, I was getting offered a big cosmetic campaign with a big company. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, not thinking, oh, go look at the pictures that are on Beauty Truth. And just don't read and it. Just don't <laughs> the read it. For God to say, don't read it. So they called back because they were going to book me. Huge campaign. Oh. And they said, Jerry, whoops, <laughs> that was my agent at the time. They go, Jerry, they go, we can't book her. Have you seen that website she did? <laughs> I've seen the pictures. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, yeah, I didn't get the job, but that was fine. And actually, I, I got offered quite a few campaigns to, to represent brands, and and I ended up turning it down just because I couldn't when I saw what was in it and what it was about. I thought I can't do this, hmm. so I ended up doing my own brand. So it did, you know, it did catapult me to to doing my own brand. I had to. I know the choice. Everybody was asking. Of course. To do something. What, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What, what should we use? Nothing out there was what I thought was the way it should be. So you would have been at that point kind of mixing your own potions and pots and things on set at that time. I was kind of doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. I had a friend that worked for a paint factory and she was a chemist. Aha. Uh-huh. So she, I would tell her exactly what I wanted and she would do it to properly for me mm-hmm. in a percentage form rather than me just popping things yeah. together. So I was working with that and then from there I got such craziness in my obsession with what was done to the oils, what was right. done to ingredients. What and was that's where the whole raw food industry and all my training with the raw food mm-hmm. took over. Right. Um, not heating it to super high temperatures where you destroy all the enzymes and the healing properties. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I would get not just coconut oil, I would get this new scent, cold centrifuged coconut oil where the lauric and the caprylic acid is completely intact yeah. because it hasn't had any heat. People don't realize cold pressing still involves heat because the machines heat up to extreme temperatures and they, you know, you right away as it goes through, you're, you're destroying properties of the, the oils. Mm-hmm. You know, you're changing the molecular structure with heat. Yeah. So I got really obsessed. From that raw food industry, I took it right through to even the quality of the coconut oil from just being organic, cold-pressed, to organic, cold-centrifuged. Well, I was—I did want to talk about the coconut oil because that is kind of at the core of RMS as a brand. Yeah. You've likened the coconut oil industry to the cocaine industry in the past. <laughs> talk to <laughs> us. I get, in, I get in trouble for that all the time. No, I love it. Absolutely no, well, love let, it. Let me tell you about why I do that. For one thing... You know, I have a little bit of a comedic streak in me. I like to be yeah. funny. I want people to be entertained by anything that I tell them, even no matter how heavy it is. I want there to be an element of funniness to it. Mm. And, you know, I'm coming from the, the era, you know, I'm be a big liar. I'm coming from the area where everybody did drugs. That's what they did back then. You were the front woman of a punk band. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's going to be a shock exactly. to anyone. <laughs> so, you know, the reason I, I made that comparison, because I thought it was funny for one thing, but obviously mm. some people don't think it's funny because I've been slandered for it. Really? Oh, Oh my, well, honey, America's a little Victorian sometimes. Sure. <laughs> Everybody's sensitive. Everybody's like, they're offended. So hmm. I have no problem in Easy Australia and Canada. <laughs> it came up in both, well, obviously, Australia again. It's coming up in Canada too. But okay, I, here's why I compare it to the Please. cocaine industry. Because the cocaine industry, you got your shitty street cocaine, then you got your movie star cocaine. Like, come on, who doesn't laugh at that? Who doesn't get that? But I don't see how that's offensive. That's just yeah, exactly. I don't either. Thank you very much. I don't either, but people do. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's kind of a joke saying that you know 
everybody thinks that, that everything in the industry, anything to do with, with, you know, they'd be like saying one size of shoe fits all. Right. And everybody, everybody categorizes every single cosmetic ingredient is all the same. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize there's cheap shit ass stuff and there's really good quality that's super expensive. And the likelihood of some of these labs putting the really good expensive stuff in is highly unlikely. Mm unless you really know how to talk to them and know what's going in your product and getting the best stuff. And most people don't want to pay for it. So yeah. what do they do? They go out and they put the shitty cocaine into your product. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's yeah. where the connotation came from. It's not meant to be offensive to anybody, but it's kind of funny. Anyway, and the same thing goes with all the, all the ingredients. All oils are all different. Mm-hmm. You know, all hyaluronic acid. You got really good hyaluronic acid. It's yeah. so expensive, and other stuff that it's just terrible. It's huge molecular structure, and that's the stuff that you see that beads up on the face, and it's it's you know it's all sticky, and it's like you, it's like you've got some film all over your mm-hmm. face, you know. And then there's other stuff. It's like silk. Yeah. So, and it's not one size fits all. And I took it to a very descriptive direction, and and you know, I'm in trouble for it sometimes. But you know, I don't even care anymore. I'm getting old. I don't care anymore. That's what I call it. No, I like Kill it. me. <laughs> Charge <laughs> me. Put me in jail. No, that attitude really resonates with me. I want to go back to the beginnings of the brand because we talk a bit on this podcast about how it's one thing to have this idea or even like a prototype of a product, but then to physically turn that into a brand, it's a whole other ballgame. It's so hard. How did you go about Obviously, you already had a friend that worked as a chemist in the paint factory, but how did you go about... Well, formula it was really hard. Mm-hmm. The one advantage I had at the beginning is I had my starting formula myself. Because mm-hmm. if I would have gone into the labs, they didn't they didn't know what to do. They didn't understand what it was I was really doing. Yeah. And they didn't none of them wanted to do it. I went to lab after lab after lab. For one thing, the heroes came up the most. It's too hard. Yeah. Too time consuming. Too expensive. Mm-hmm. And they weren't interested. How did you? I mean, how do you push back on that? Well, I didn't. I had to wait till I found a lab. How long did that take? It took a long time. I finally found one, and that's why my company's in South Carolina, uh-huh. because my original lab was in South Carolina, and the girl that was working there, I remember speaking to her the first time, and I'm very intuitive, and I said, you're going to be working for me one day, and she's still working with me and running the whole company uh-huh. right now, to this, to, this, to this very second, she's still with me. Amazing. <laughs> so, you know, that's why, um, you know, I'm still down there, and uh, and it's it's where the lab was. Now, of course, that lab got closed down years and years ago. And we now have other labs that we work with that, that, you know, that understand what it is I'm doing. People are, are opening up a little bit more and being a little mm-hmm. bit more experimental. But it's still, it's still at, the be- at its beginning stages. Well, this was going to be my next question because I'm glad that you did persist because you really did pioneer natural beauty. But did you have pushback from consumers, pushback from other people in the industry I did at the beginning, yes. I actually, I remember going around to see the magazines. I would come home crying. There was a wall. Everybody's really? like, like just, just a wall towards it. Mm-hmm. And um, it took a long time before some, some of them wrote me up. I'd get, you know, the little write-up here and there in some little kind of green magazine. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I didn't want to be amongst the that green That doesn't feel stuff. on brand. Yeah, I wanted to be. Having a leaf on the front of the product. I wanted to be on the big part of the end of mm-hmm. it, you know? And you know, now I am. Now when you see my brand, I'm sitting there on, on in the magazines besides YSL, Chanel, mm. and, you know, Charlotte Tilbury even. So, you know, I'm not sitting there just with, you know, the, the smaller green brands mm-hmm. or that kind of green sector with the little green leaf over there in the corner for the 
for the oh, yeah. we feel sorry for you brand in the corner, mm. you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a very different kind of natural beauty. Yeah. How long obviously people have, you know, embraced this movement now, but how long did that take when you first launched? It took a while. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because when I first started, everybody kept saying, you got to do something green on it. People need to know it's like healthy. And I go, no, hell no. I nearly spat my because water. Because I've just, I've just, I've just no. wiped out half the audience. Yeah. You know, I want it to look like it's, you know, I, I, I'm, I want it to be very clean looking. This is why I did mm. all my makeup white. I was the first person to do white makeup mm. because usually makeup's not regarded as white. For one thing, it's going to get dirty. And I didn't care because I thought the concept of skincare is always white. So I wanted skincare meets color. And I didn't want a green thing on there or some bamboo wrapped around it. No. You know, I wanted to go so far away from that labeling, mm-hmm. you know, and I did. And I still have gone away from that. You know, and people would see and go, wow, this looks like a cool brand. They see the little glass pots all in colors sitting upside down so you could see all the color and they'd buy it. They didn't know it was green or clean or whatever. And that's what I wanted. That's what I, when I first came across, I'm just making this about me. I first came across it in um, Colette in Paris yeah. years and years and years ago. One and of our first stores. Really? Mm-hmm. It's, it was exactly that, walking past these just really clean looking pots. Yeah. It just. It like it grabbed, I needed to do something that would grab the attention mm. of the audience. You know, everybody was handing me plastic, and I go, I do not want my organic products in plastic. No. What's wrong with you guys? If one of you sends me one more plastic container from the you know the packaging companies, mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I ended up searching out, and I found that little glass, that little, like, kind of, like, hockey puck kind of glass, mm-hmm. I call it. And, uh, you know, we found out where that mold came from. It was a very, very old mold from the olden days. Really? Yeah. Oh. You know, I kind of dug it out of the, the rafters or the, you know, the ashes. <laughs> I love a good origin story. But it's kind of like that idea of parents sneaking vegetables into their kids' food. Exactly. So you snuck natural products into our kind of everyday Yeah, hey, I like arsenal. that. That's good. I like you that. You can use that. I'll Thank you. I'm going to steal it. <laughs> So your um, little souvenir from Australia, is that analogy? <laughs> so the first product you developed was the Living Luminizer. Actually, no, that wasn't. Oh, wasn't it? What was the no, first? No, everybody thinks it was my first successful product. Okay. Like, you know, that it was, was certainly that my first. That put me on the ex- map. Yeah. What was the first? My first one that I was actually working on were the uh, eye polishes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about them. How long did that process take from development through to them being available? Um... Not very long, actually. I was kind of just playing with those because it was, again, the Victoria's Secret thing where I wanted, you know, the girls just were, they were all looking too, like, I don't even want to use that word, but they were sleazy. Yeah. They were sleazy, and the makeup looks sleazy. When you got a girl, you know, a little bit of moisture on her body, and she's wearing her panties and her bra or a bikini, and you start putting on makeup that's glittery and shiny, they look sleazy. I wanted something that looked more sophisticated. It had color to the lid, but you could still see the skin through it. Mm. So the the, the eyeshadows were actually my first, and then... um, uh, and then, did not coming out first, but the first thing I was actually working right. on. And then I jumped to the luminizer. Because, I, you know, I wanted the glow on the skin. I mastered it on the body for with the mm. hobo oil. Yeah. But the skin still had this, like, glittery thing from all the highlighters that were out there. It was too opaque or it was just too sparkly. Mm. And that's when all the attention was right away, you know, put in the direction of the, of the luminizer. Well, let's talk about it. Because to me, that has always felt like 
the gateway into a full RMS yeah. obsession. 100%, 100%. What, and it's still one of your best sellers now, yes. correct? Yes. What is it about that product for the uninitiated? That is product is the perfect, I, you know, I hate to use a word, lit from within. I've got it on my face now and that's exactly yeah. what it is. Well, it's almost like just been laid. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather say that than yeah. lit from within. Hell with that. Um, <laughs> it's Well, you know what it is? It's, it's the most gorgeous light reflective glow without looking like you're a robot skin or you've yeah. come, you're, you're, you're shining from the moon, you know? You can see it from the moon. So um, it just catches the light. And it, once it's sitting on the right places, it mm. just looks beautiful. And it's got a slight luminosity that is so elegant and refined without seeing the glitter particles. Yeah. It took a long time to get it right because the glitter particles were all too big. Back then, they weren't milling the products that, that finely either because this is quite a while ago now. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was working on this way before the brand came out 10 years ago. So I was yeah. working on it way before. So how did you get the product to where it is now? How did you make sure there weren't any big chunks of sparkle is it just the milling process uh well no because they started making um uh as it, you know i had a, one that was kind of there but not really mm-hmm. and they started bringing in better uh pigments mm-hmm. slowly started coming in and then i'd say to my lab this has got to be milled more it's got to be milled to literally nothing they can hardly see it mm-hmm. you know well you got there yeah i got there and it yeah it took a while mm. while we're on cult products yeah. let's talk rms red because it is your signature lip colour and it is a signature of the line. How did that colour come to be? Well, that's kind of the colour I've always worn. It's kind of a combination of a whole bunch of colours I used to mix mix together. Mm -hmm. Some of them were matte colours and I mixed with a few, two other colours to make that colour because I wanted it slightly, you know, I didn't want it too, too red, but I didn't want it too, too orange. And uh, so I was always mixing it for all those years and, and, you know, when I finally copied it in our formula, more healthy, um... We didn't know what to call it. I'm uh-huh. trying to think of all these names, and I said, "Why don't we just call it RMS Red?" Because it's you know it's, it's it makes color. sense. Everybody was always asking, "What color are you wearing? What color are you wearing? What color are you wearing?" Mm-hmm. And I couldn't say, "Oh, it's a copy of this or it's a copy of that." Because yeah, I'm not really a copier. You know, when mm. I make my, my colors up, I put 10 million colors on a big sheet of plastic and start mixing. I mean, That's you're copied now, but certainly yeah. not a copier. How long did, I mean, how how does one colour match? How does one having this mix of all these different lipsticks and then go to a lab and say, this is the colour I want, but take all the crap out of it? Well, because because um, once I've mixed it up, so this is what I've never understood about, you know, you when you see people doing a presentation of the colours they want, they'll, they'll get flowers. And I thought, okay, I'll get some flowers at the end of the day. <laughs> Can't match that up. And I thought, this isn't working for me. Mm-hmm. And I just have this really big, huge sheet of plastic, and I get every single lipstick, and then I'll get, like, you know, color correctors, and I'll just start putting blobs and just keep mixing and mixing. And I go, oh, I love that color, but there's enough there because I've cut off big hunks of people's mm-hmm. lipsticks. And then that way it can go to the lab and they can color correct it. Uh-huh. And it's very easy because it's pre-made already. It's already made. The color's made for them. They just They're not them. getting an image of, of something from a plant or, a, yeah. you know. Because that's kind of hard to copy. So I just mix it all myself and then send them a big blob of it. Put it in a little jar and send them a blob. There you go. I mean, it sounds so simple, but... Well, actually, it's not simple. Let me tell you something. Do you know how many labs I fired because they can't color match? 
I it can is only imagine. Phenomenal. How many of these labs cannot color match? So you've pulled up the color and said, "This is what I want," yeah. and they've come back with something. Oh, they, they don't have a clue what they're doing. I just, I just like literally, I get very, I get very irate when I, when you know, What's I'm your paying product? them. Well, well, not only is it my product, these are labs that are supposed to be professional. Some mm. of these labs are big, well-known labs, and they can't color match. Are you kidding me? It should be a like basic seriously, you're even sending this to me. I get very offended because it's like if sure. I did a bad makeup at a photo shoot, I wouldn't be there. Hmm. You know, so yeah, I, I kind of bust labs sometimes. I can be a little nasty, and I'm sure the labs hate me, but I whatever. Care. I don't care. <laughs> You've made it work. Your whole philosophy, as far as makeup application goes, um, is just to keep the skin looking like skin, which we've talked about, yeah. and I feel like this is the whole principle behind the uncover up. Yeah. We did touch on Kim Kardashian, not to name and shame, but. Yeah. There is that whole trend of this, I guess, Instagram makeup in inverted commas. What do you think about that? Do you think do you think people are moving towards this more natural look, or is that going to that very? Well, heavy she's already moved her 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 makeup to more natural compared to what she used to Com- do. In but comparison. here's the problem. Here's the problem. One of my assistants actually assisted her her makeup artist when when uh, she was in New York. And he called me up and he goes, oh, my God, Rosemary, if you saw how much makeup was on her face, you would die. Mm. And I thought, why? She's got beautiful skin. Stunning. Why is she doing that? And here's why. Paparazzi pictures. Mm-hmm. Pictures on TV. Yeah. Pictures through the Internet. And they want it to look like a mask. They want, them, they want to present themselves as such perfection Mm. That the makeup just keeps getting thicker and thicker and thicker, so there's no there's no face left anymore, and mm. it works in that avenue or that 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 right that you know that that kind of what it is they're trying to achieve. It's working for them doing that through the Instagram and all that stuff. Mm. But in real life, if I were probably to look, I'd be like smack the back of the head. The face will fall off onto the floor. Love it. Yeah. You know. So for me, when I look at somebody in real life, having worked with the models for so long mm. and Victoria's Secret and seeing beautiful skin to me skin is sexual and it's sensual agreed why are you covering it up to such a degree they're doing it for a reason but yeah. when we're having all these poor young people influenced by this kind of look to me it's 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 going a little too far I don't care that you put on tons of makeup and mm-hmm. you know I will say what I always say do a big, huge brow. Conjure yourself to death. Do big blowjob lips. I don't care what you do, but my thing is the skin. Yeah. Because the skin is the sexiest thing on the body. Is is the you know the look of beautiful, glowing, healthy skin. You can do all the makeup you want, but we gotta start doing something about the about the, the amount of foundation putting being put on. It's the people they're influencing that scares yeah, the hell out of me because these young girls looking going, okay, that's what I need to be doing. Yeah. Well, the thing is, what happens? It's also not. It's also doing damage on their on their psyche because you know they they all think they're perfect. They have to be perfect, mm. and these girls are perfect already. And they don't even know it. They're finding flaws, and I'm like, oh my god, little girl, if you only knew. Like, look at my face compared to yours. But everybody's so hung up on the moment. They all want to make their money now. They all want that Instagram photo now. They want the car now. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's really sad. It's like. You know, getting older is being wiped out of their 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 program. Yeah, scares the hell out of me. Is it making sense what I'm saying here? Yes, it is. Okay. Perfect sense. I would have told Ooh, you. We're getting wasn't. heavy, man. <laughs> we're getting heavy. But well, it makes me sad. Yeah, because, same. You know, these kids are so beautiful, 
and you know, I'm pretty convincing. Like if I were to have one of them sitting down in front of me, I can I can mm. do my little Svengali action and, and whip you know be funny and whip that right into shape where I can show them you don't need to go to that degree. Yeah. But I get what they're doing. They're being creative and artistic. I remember I used to wear heavy makeup when I was younger too. Sure. But right now I think it's a little going crazy. I understand the artistry side of it, and I understand yes. the need to you know be creative and I think that's an exciting thing but I just Ray Morris said in the first interview of this podcast she said something about how young girls they the further away they look from how they actually look that's when they get more likes so then they start thinking oh okay I need to transform myself into a completely different person yeah that scares and that's me. when the more likes come with more tits and ass that's yeah. been talked about recently mm. there's been a lot of of, of uh, uh you know ig videos i've been watching some of those oh yeah but there's a lot of that you know and and mm. and gary v who i love gary yeah v. he was here a couple of weeks ago oh was he mm. yeah he's cool and he he talks about too that these girls you know they get the likes when they show their their boobies they, yeah. they get likes when they show their ass and now I, I i got a few uh influencers sending me now this is going to be interesting guys i want you to listen to what i'm going to say for a minute so we got some very beautiful girls and wanting my products and um i will look at their 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 pages or their page and uh it's all tit and ass and i'm like oh my god like i am not that kind of brand but every single shot is a bikini but done so it's a tits and ass shot but mm. I thought okay now this is interesting I thought okay what if I give her some stuff what am I going to get out of this you know thinking just just thinking you know am I going to get in trouble because I'm you know giving a natural brand to a girl that's wearing so much makeup like this and, and mm. you know, an obvious Vargas girl like from the olden days um, and so I decided to go look who our followers are or who her followers were it's all guys of course it's all guys is that your audience? No, it's no, not. No, that's not my audience. No. And then I noticed that when there was a picture of a makeup shot. Three likes. Three likes <laughs> and, and and maybe. One comment saying, get your tits out. Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. So I thought, okay, so something's going on here. And I would have no, normally not thought that. But if it hadn't been so obviously tits and ass, I probably would have never looked at it. Yeah. But, you know, if you look through a lot of those pictures, go see who's following. It's all the guys. Mm. All the guys. I mean, it's good that you're a brand that's actually looking at who is and isn't aligned yeah. with what it is that you're oh, doing. Oh, yeah, I'm not just going to send it out because you asked for a product. Yeah. Hell no, it ain't going to happen. Good. You know, why? I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Kind of on that note, as far as the way that women apply their makeup, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen since you first started in the industry? Well, I, I've noticed it's being lightened. A lot of the influencers mm -hmm. that are... That, that are um, very good at doing makeup. Mm -hmm. uh, they're lightening. They're they're lightening. They're 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 their style is getting a little bit more natural, a little yeah, more yeah. real looking, which is really good that I'm seeing that. Mm -hmm. um, they're asking for my product too, which I which I'm really happy about mm -hmm. because obviously people are paying attention. You yeah, know, and they're paying attention to healthier products too. Uh, yeah, it's just I definitely see the change. You don't see all the contouring anymore. You mm -hmm. see that slowly vanishing. You see the brows becoming a little bit more to life. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't see the big Rudolph the luminized reindeer mm -hmm. on the end of the nose happening as much anymore, which I've never understood, actually. No, because that <laughs> makes it... No, it just... Well, it, it's so funny because I asked one of the... the one of the, the, the entertainers on the RuPaul show. I said, why do you do that? 
And, and, and the answer was, it's, it's cute, it's girly. And I go, yeah, but it kind of looks ridiculous on some girls. Some young girls can get away with it, but some of it is so obviously obvious that I, have yeah. a, I, I do have a bit of a hard time with that. I just don't think it's flattering. No, it's not flattering. No. No. What about, less about the way we apply our makeup, but more in industry changes? Obviously, information is so accessible now, thanks in large part to websites like yours. Do you find that consumers are demanding more? because of how accessible that information is. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And they're asking more questions. Great. And um, uh, they're doing more research, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. They're not always correct. So, you know, I try to, to you know, re-educate them a little bit on, you know, on some of it. Mostly when it comes to packaging, it's starting to get annoying. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like you know, I'm not making packaging and they're expecting me to do all this stuff. I can't do packaging that's completely, you know. Yeah, I get that. Uh, sustainable and everything because I'm not designing this stuff. We've got to go after these big guys up mm. there. But everybody tends to go after the little guy. Let's start going after these big guys that are making the plastic bags. Go after those guys. Make them stop making plastic bags. You know, we, we start at such a kind of a pathetically slow pace to make things change by telling us to recycle a plastic bag. No, let's go to the guys making it. Let's mm -hmm. put pressure on them. Yeah. And, you know, and then people will, you know, aim at the brands like us and say, oh, but, you know, you've changed to a plastic cap. We had no other choice but to change to a plastic cap because the metal cap is not being made anymore due to taxes and tariffs and all this nonsense being put on metal. It's mm. out, and, you know, so the, the company that makes it refuses to deal with it anymore. Yeah. It's, it's not worth their while because everybody, you know, putting all this, this, this financial burden onto, onto these brands. So, yes, we have a plastic lid now. I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do. We Period. we go straight to the top. But it is recyclable plastic. Oh, there you go. Yeah. What about the future of beauty? We've talked about changes that we have seen. What do you think we can expect to see from the beauty industry in the next, let's say, five years? Oh, I think I think the beauty industry is, or the clean beauty industry is just going to be called the beauty industry Great. because brands are actually reformulating some of these brands that you know are are um, you know your your traditional cosmetics with the, mm. some of the, the debatable ingredients they're starting to reformulate a lot of them want the the, the seal of approval from Sephora mm -hmm. because the more that becomes alive that's a reflection on what's going with the industry as we used to know it and so yeah. they're like oh my God we're losing sales here. Let's face it, some of these brands are dinosaur brands. Mm -hmm. They had their heyday. You guys aren't keeping up, you know? So, listen to me, I sound like such a bitch. No. I don't mean to, I don't mean to, but. No, you but, don't, you know, not at all. But it's been proven now, a lot of these, you know, uh, who was it, uh, Mark Ray from um, the president of Shiseido in America even said that, you know, the, the traditional beauty industry is dropping and, and independent beauty brands are going up like some phenomenal percent. I, mm. I put it on my Instagram. I can't remember what, I don't want to like name off fake uh, percentages, but it was like in like 42% it's grown for independent indie brands. Amazing. I'll find People the want new energy. The they're, they're, you know, the, the big brands have had their heyday. They really have. Mm. And unless they keep up and do something different besides just being entertainment, you know, some of these brands coming out right now, unfortunately, are just entertainment. There's still nothing worthy in the ingredient deck mm. i hope they do they are actually reformulating though because i feel like we see a lot of the big the multinationals just slap a flower on the front and say it's botanical and they just well know, that's what they're doing yeah chuck one well it's like having a salad ingredient. and pouring bleach on it you know yeah it is <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, my final question, what is next for RMS Beauty? Um, <laughs> I've got a lot of stuff coming out, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, people keep asking me to do skincare, and I think the skincare market is, is kind of saturated. I almost like, don't know what to do. But we have come out with some products that are more in the, in the, in the, in the line of enhancing what we're doing makeup-wise, using the concept of skincare, but towards how the makeup's going to work or how the makeup's going to look or how the skin's going to look with the makeup on. So we're going kind of that direction rather than just coming up with, oh, we're coming up with a clean cleanser and a toner. We're not doing that. That was Rosemary Swift, founder of RMS Beauty, which you can find on Instagram at RMS Beauty. To read my interview with Rosemary, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining us.